You're listening to the Place Northwest podcast, your digital resource for the latest insight and analysis on all things property in the northwest of England. Hello, I'm Julia Hatmaker, and welcome to the Place Northwest podcast. Today, we're talking about how communities should be shaped around transport infrastructure, or to put it more plainly, the cool ways we can develop around train stations and the like. These areas have a lot of potential, and not all of it is centered around getting from point A to point B. Joining me today are two experts in the place-shaping realm, Rochdale Council's cabinet member for the economy, Councillor John Blundell, and Danny Crump, Director of Urbanism with International Architecture, Urbanism, and Design Practice, Broadway Malian. Both John and Danny are currently working on transforming the transport hubs of Rochdale. So John, tell me real quick, what are you guys doing in Rochdale? Uh, well, there's lots going on in Rochdale. This is just one facet of what we're doing. We've got a number of things going. We've got the Northern Gateway, which is one of the biggest sites in the north of England. That's going to uh, deliver uh, literally millions of square feet of employment space. Um, we've also got Ampi, which is our Advanced Manufacturing Productivity Institute, which is going to look at upskilling the businesses in Rochdale, the, the, the site around the Northern Gateway. Well, this podcast is mainly about there's something a bit different to employment. It's about our residents and how they uh, move around the borough and how they see themselves um, in Greater Manchester. And that's the rail corridor strategy. Um, the rail corridor strategy itself aims to deliver roughly around 7,000 new homes around our stations. And that's largely in um, the reason we're doing this is because when I'm speaking to residents in Notchdale and indeed, uh, when politicians are talking to members of the public across the country, people want brownfield first, sustainable uh, policies, um, and they want to try and save as much green space as possible. And from that perspective, we start to look at, well, well, how do we do that? And the, one of the biggest assets the borough's got is the heavy rail line that runs through the borough. Um, the railway is important to the borough, not just because it, uh, you know, provides people a service, as we've just discussed. It, it also gives them the opportunity, it gives them access to the opportunities in the city centre, and it makes Rochdale a part of Manchester as a whole. Um, it makes the places around those stations part of like a Manchester identity, which means um, that there's something to cherish, they're important, those stations, and they're important to our economy and our culture. So the, the, the corridor aims to provide um, better places um, new housing, new new employment facilities around our stations to help Rochdale integrate integrate Manchester. And that's both in terms of so people in Rochdale can reach Manchester quickly, sustainably, um, get access to better employment, but also that people living in the city centre see Rochdale as somewhere they could move to. And that's really important. Places like Rochdale and North GM suffer from a brain drain. They suffer from people uh, moving from uh, what are seen as deprived areas into places like Stockport, Eaton's, Didsbury, Trafford, and that's because they've got good connect connectivity. They've got uh, they're near the university. They've got the type of amenities those people are looking for. So if we're going to attract and retain those type of people, that's going to power our economy, start small businesses, um, look after Rochdale a bit more, and to stop uh, and to uproot some of those pockets of deprivation in Rochdale. 
this plan is is really important because it will hopefully change the way Rochdale interacts with its neighbours for the better. Yeah, so Danny, why don't you walk me through what the the project itself looks like? I know it's going to include 7,000 new homes, um, but what else does it have? Oh, well, it's been a, a really interesting project, Julia. So we've been, been working with uh, Rochdale Council for a number of years, uh, looking at uh, this asset that, that um, John just, just described. You know, it's, it's a railway line that connects Leeds uh, and Manchester and Rochdale's right, right in the middle of it. So we, we started the, the borough-wide uh, rail corridor study with a view that we wanted to understand the, the development potential of the stations. And it was about really unlocking the, the, the potential, the potential of those transit hubs to be much more than just gateways to, uh, to a mode of travel, uh, but, but to start to create transit oriented communities around them. And so we've we've worked with John. We've 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 built uh, or we've identified a, a much higher number of um, residential units or homes around these uh, stations, and we, we've started to develop master plans for uh, Littleborough and, and Castleton and, and Rochdale stations as well, and also bringing forward some some early catalyst projects. And I think it's important for us. Uh, as placemakers to, to really understand uh, the context of the stations uh, in order to deliver uh, a true mixed-use development that uh, reacts to local need. So we've spent quite a bit of time um, undertaking a diagnosis of, of the places, looking at uh, an 800-metre radius around the station. So very much not just looking at the, at the station building boundary but pushing that boundary much further to understand the wider context and to and to broaden out uh, what some of the opportunities might be uh, and also to to draw in some of those uh, values and, and benefits that already exist in the in the local communities one of the things i love about this project is that like just how forward thinking this is this is about setting rochdale up for the future very much so. And I think that's a lot of what's going on in this project can be replicated in other towns. Maybe not specifically, but everyone can kind of learn from what y'all are doing in Rochdale. So just kind of like keeping that in mind, why should we be looking at these transit hubs, these railway stations as areas for possible development? Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's interesting, I suppose. Why have we not uh, developed around around transit in the past? I think one of the first things that, that's needed is is partnership. So really important to, to bring together public sector, private sector. Uh, one of the... Um, uh, one of the ways that we've made it work in Rochdale is to is to bring in the Station Alliance, who are a group made up of uh, London Continental Railway, the, the government's agency for um, uh, public sector assets around rail, uh, working with Network Rail, uh, TFGM, Transport for Greater Manchester, and the Combined Authority. So, you know, some heavy hitters really to to bring. Uh, the interested parties together and to make it work. So, partnerships really important. Um, we we have for a number of years really pushed a, what we call an urban compact approach. So over an urban sprawl approach, really thinking about how we can promote higher densities uh, with, with good public amenities, uh, really super connected for, for walking and, and cycling to, to really promote uh, movements by public transport. 
So it's 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 about creating uh, opportunity on brownfield lands, uh, which uh, more often than not is located around our our stations and uh, and, and station hubs, uh, and utilising that in a much more efficient way, much a much more um, uh, forward thinking and, and future uh, proofed way. Yeah, the sustainability credentials for these schemes, it just seems like it's through the roof, really. I mean, you're redeveloping brownfield, um, you know, you're encouraging public travel. John, what are some other reasons we should be focusing on transit hubs for development? Um, I think that you have to kind of understand an area and how it's grown over time and how how it thinks and feels about itself. When you the, the Calder Valley line was built primarily to move goods. So it cuts through the major town out of Manchester, uh, Rochdale. But the areas around that, they're, they're after an, an, an each end, Castleton, Littleborough and the like, have grown around the railway station. Um, so a big part of the way these, the urban fabric of these places is surrounded around um, the transport hub because that was where um, people would go to for work 150 years ago. It's where people would pick up goods for the factory or whatever. Um, so they often are quite a focal point in the middle of a place. Lots of other um, boroughs and areas have opted to uh, do a station's lights or the like, but they focused on one area. We wanted to focus on the corridor as a whole and then every transport hub along along that because that's what reflects how Rochdale works, um, how people move, how they uh, view themselves as being part of wider GM. Um, and that's for me is the importance of a transport hub. I think there are too many plans that just look at uh, a place and there's a bus stop in the middle of it or a rail station and that's an amenity. But it doesn't really it then stops there. It doesn't go beyond that to think about how how does this place tick and how does it work. And I think this plan uh, does that really well. And that's why we're successful. I think that kind of brings us to our next part of the podcast, where I wanted to draw from the knowledge you guys have accumulated from your years working on this plan and kind of share lessons that you've learned on the best practices for doing these kinds of developments. So I feel like one of which is already, Danny, you and John have both touched on this, making sure that you look beyond just the immediate site itself. Um, So how far should we be looking, Danny? Yeah, well, we... we we usually strike a, a radius of uh, 800 meters or or 1000 meters around the the center of the station and you know that's a uh, an urban design tool that uh, allows you to to understand an area from a, a walkability perspective so it's about 15 minutes to walk from from the the center point to the edge or from the edge to to the center point and that's a walk that most people would be happy and comfortable to make and so it's it's a good starting point for creating walkable and, and livable environments. Uh, but what it also does is, is that it, it gets rid of that red line and it enables us to identify a much broader spread uh, of opportunities uh, and, and bring together uh, um, the landowners and, and the different communities to really work together to, to formulate a plan about what these places might be. So we've done a lot. We've done a lot of consultation on these projects uh, with a with a wide range of of stakeholders, uh, and you know that for me that's how you how you create authentic communities. You, you've really got to you've got to understand what that local need is, and to find out what the local need is, you've got to, you've got to talk to local people. So you know we went through a, a whole series of um, uh, workshops uh, and events where we we explored. 
what the nature of the place was currently, what some of the issues were, but but more importantly, what some of the opportunities were. Uh, and in the end, you know, what are the hopes and dreams of of the people that currently live there about their future? You know, how how do they see these places um, changing and, and evolving in a positive way? And then we built all of that into our proposal. So so the master plan for Littleborough is very different. Um, to the master plan for Rochdale and, and again different to the master plan for Castlefield because they're all truly responding to um, to that process of, of talking to local people. And I know John you had mentioned that as well and just this idea of identity and really making sure you're catering to that so I feel like you're going to tell me that you need to kind of be thinking more than just 800 square meters maybe you need to be thinking as a region would you say that's about right? I think that's that's definitely right. I think um, if you take other places that have a station of lights, for example, Stockport, they've got a major regional rail station. So, you know, it's completely justifiable just to focus on that station, that area, and the interplay with the town centre. In Rochdale, we don't have that. So we need to think about what are people going to use the railway for um, and what are they doing at each end? And that essentially dictates what what's in each master plan. So little birds forever increasing, more young professionals. I was speaking to one of the businesses who's in the master plan uh, just the other week, I won't name them, but they said for the past three or four years, everybody who's uh, signed up to my business is not from Littleborough, they're all from Manchester. Um, and that's because people are increasingly moving out. This was long before COVID, but it was accelerated because of it. Um, so that plays into Littleborough's focus being on apartments, young professionals, um, new, new facilities for active travel. Whereas Rochdale Station um, is the fourth used, most used station outside the city centre in Greater Manchester and therefore plays a much bigger hub role. So we look at a new square, a new park as part of the station, um, a significant park and ride for, for, for cars at the back. So you... You, the, you, first of all, you need to think about what, what people are using your infrastructure for. It's much harder to build something and then put tram and railways around it. We're very lucky to already have a railway and we're going to use it really well. Um, and then from that, think about why people are going to travel from, from what they're doing at A or what they're doing at B. And that will dictate what, what goes into your plan. So I know earlier we touched on the sustainability aspect of it. And these, this is going to be development on brownfield land. That's a granted. It's happening. but. I mean, does that have to be a bad thing? Can it can it be a good thing as well, Danny? What do you think? Well, well, it is a good thing to to develop on brownfield lands. I mean, it, it you know it's 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 a positive use of old, old industrial sites, and and if it uh, helps secure greenfield greenbelt lands, and I think it, you know it has a double positive. I mean, we we did some uh, appraisal work around the uh, corridor study and and, and looked at. Some of the some of the positive uh, benefits of, of that study, and just by p- placing people by railway stations along those uh, uh, along that line on the on those six stations, uh, we estimated that there'd be a, a reduction of four million car trips annually. So you know the people that are actually jumping in the cars, uh, uh, driving down the M62 or the, M- or the M60 would would be more likely to to jump on a train, and that is a. a, a uh, a reduction in emissions of, of uh, 500 tonnes of, of carbon uh, per year. So some some really you know nice big numbers and positives around sustainability for for promoting um, uh, development around train stations. And and if you can add on to that the um, the walking and cycling's uh, 
for for your last mile journeys, then you know you've also got a lot of health and and well being benefits as well that come out of this type of development. It sounds to me that this is kind of about, you know, looking at the brownfield elements and rather than kind of thinking of this as like something you need to get rid of and like totally change up, actually saying like this is an asset we can use to really make this scheme even better. Would you say that's about right? Yeah, I mean, you know, brownfield land has, has had a use and uh, and now it's looking for, looking for a new use. I think there are, there are often issues of, of viability and, you know, that's where... Uh, the council has been working with central government to uh, uh, apply or u- use the materials that we've produced and, and build up an evidence base to to apply for funding to uh, uh, cover off some of those viability gaps and, and make that brownfield lands um, more viable for development. So, John, one of the things you kept talking about when we were you know talking about this was just about community. I've heard you reference community. I feel like ten times. I should have like been marking it down. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me this is this is very much about actually place shaping and that you're not only helping out a new community that you're building, but you're also kind of incorporating the community that's already existing and helping improve the area for them as well. Yeah, and that is whenever you do one of these plants, people automatically don't want change. Uh, they want to be consulted with. They want to uh, know what's going on in their area. So as soon as you put a plan out, people react to it often the people who fall out of the loudest and the ones that are positive stay quiet i think the benefit of this plan is that it's been done within the context of places for everyone um from those gmsf where lots of people are very angry about the loss of green belt very angry about um the way that plan had gone um and would constantly be installed so i think when this went out into the public domain with the exception of a handful of people um people could see that the council was actually responding to what those local communities wanted. Um, and I think going back to what we were talking about before and about, you know, what, what are these areas used for? What what does this place do? Um, people in Littleborough can see the village is changing and that they're getting a different demographic moving in. Um, and they've been saying they want Brownfield first. They want sustainable building. So in this this ta- this plan's been well received because it actually re- it's responded to what people have been asking for, and I think that's what's really important about plans of this nature. You can't force something on a community. You kind of have to shape plans around what communities want. Otherwise, they're fundamentally not going to work. Um, and I think this plan does it really well. Um, but on that. You shouldn't. You can't be scared either of what you're going to say and do. I think in the rail corridor strategy, which we did put in some GMSF places for everyone's sight uh, that were in the green belt, because there was a stone throw away from the station. Um, that wasn't just why they're in GMSF TFE, but that's why we decided to put it in this plan. It's because the use of land changes when that railway station was built. It would be used for a very really different things what it's being used for today. So it's not always just about brownfield, green belt. It's also about uh, what should we be using this land for? The big challenge at the minute is climate change. We're never going to face that down unless we're building a fashion where people don't have to use the car. Um, and this plan does that really well. Places like Littleborough are genuine 15-minute cities or whatever you want to call it. It's got um, it's got every, it's a traditional village. It's got everything in it. You don't need to leave. And you'll be able to get the train to work because uh, there'll be more housing around the station. So I, I think... 
the plan, shaping it around communities is vital. We've still got to be bold. Um, and, and they are essentially about building new communities. And it strikes me too that, you know, with your plans, you guys aren't just playing it safe. You're being ambitious. I mean, 7,000 new homes is nothing to, to joke about. That's a lot. So is that like a huge part of this is just kind of thinking big? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the the towns around Greater Manchester have have lost out in a way over the over the last twenty years to to Manchester's success. You know, it, Central Manchester has, has been a vacuum really for develop development and developers. Uh, but I think you know, time times are changing, and and those towns you know, recognise that they've got a role to play. And they're ambitious, and you know, I, I think you know we work with 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 a number of them, but you know, Rochdale is is ahead of the game in its ambition. They are bold. They're they're very uh, innovative, and very forward thinking, and uh, I, I think that's really important. You know, you, you need to be at the at the forefront of of these moves if you want to attract the right type of developers. And you know, Ro- Rochdale and and um, and ourselves have, have worked really hard to make sure that this this capacity study around the corridor and the master plans are attractive to developers. You know, it, it's about deliverability at, at the end of the day. We want to create uh, a real buzz in these places, a buzz that, that attracts uh, um, interest from uh, from the right type of developer. And, and, and that's proving to be um, to have been a correct formula. And, you know, we've got some really interesting central Manchester developers now uh, uh, engaged in Rochdale, uh, and a number of years ago, you know, people who I was talking to about working in Rochdale were just saying, "Well, it'll never happen." You know, no, nobody, nobody wants to live in Rochdale. Nobody will invest in Rochdale, and we always thought that was wrong, actually. Uh, and I think we we are going to be proven to be correct because you know the, those developers now are uh, proposing some of the kind of cutting edge modular. Uh, new communities right in the heart of of Rochdale, right next to the stations, and and uh, Rochdale were were first out of the gateposts on that one. Getting these schemes over the line and delivered in places like Rochdale is difficult, but we've been doing it, um, and that how, that isn't the case in all post-industrial places in the north of England. Um, and I think the reason we've been successful is because we, you know. There's been a change in perspective, I think, over the past decade or so, where we very saw, very much saw ourselves as something separate from Oldham and Bury and Manchester, and we wanted to be under brand Rochdale. Well, there is now, uh, with the booming city centre, more of a Greater Manchester focus. We have a great understanding of our role in Greater Manchester, um, and that's why we're playing a bigger part in it. Um, I mean, you just look at the hazing delivery figures. We, we deliver a rate of homes similar to Tr- Trafford and Stockport to affluent boroughs. And we should be delivering um, the number of homes similar to Bolton, Bury and Oldham. Um, and that's because we've got good plans. We've got, we communicate well, like through this podcast. And I think the market's got a lot of confidence in us. Um, to actually get these schemes over the line because we've so we started to get a proven track record in doing that. So it's not ambitious, actually, this plan. We're going to deliver it. We're going to deliver every square foot of it. I'm going to hold you to that. You know that, right? I'll be like, on this podcast, you said every single square foot. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, I thank you guys so much for taking time to kind of walk us through what's going on in Rochdale and the lessons everyone can learn. So just to kind of recap, and you guys let me know if I've missed anything key or if you think we need to elaborate on one of these topics a bit more. 
building communities around transport infrastructure is pretty much a no-brainer. It's a great chance to really embark on a sustainable scheme. It's got lots of green agenda points for it because you're redeveloping brownfield. You're also encouraging uh, public travel and other ways of not burning gas and encourage people in cars. So all that's great. And if you're going to do schemes like this, there are a couple things you need to know. One of which is you really need to talk to the community that's going to be impacted by it, because these are the people who are living there and going to be traveling. So what do they want? What are they looking for? Who do they want to be connected to? You also need to be thinking about, you know, just beyond the site itself. You can't just be looking at the border of what you're developing. You've got to at least look at it in a 15 minute direction. So an 800 square foot radius. Or you need to look at a wider hole, like where you fit into the region and consider that as well, because everything is connected nowadays. And finally, you'd really need to consider being ambitious and just kind of going for it, committing to it, because this is a really great chance. And if you do do that, you'll attract some really big name developers, but you'll also regenerate your town and just, you know, make something that's going to last a long time. What do you guys think? Is that, is that about right? Yeah, you could have just done that in five minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. It wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> the only other thing I just that springs to mind, Julia, is about the social, it's about the community, it's about social value. So it's not just yeah. about, you know, this project impacting upon them. It, it, it's, you know, what can you bring to this project that will allow that existing community to to, 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 to get access to jobs and education and, and health and uh, and other benefits. So, you know, it's really weaving it all together in quite a nuanced way, I think. Yeah, so it's people-focused. It's definitely people-focused, yeah. It's very much the starting point. People know what the challenges are for their area. They know what um, is the problems facing their constituents, and they should be articulating that in plans for their area to deal with those issues. And this plan comes a long way to doing that. That's great. Awesome. So, John, Danny, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Y'all were great. And thank you to the listeners for listening to the Place Northwest podcast. If you want to stay up to date on the latest trends in the built environment, you should subscribe today. You can subscribe to the Place Northwest podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do enjoy this episode and other episodes we've done, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only does it help us give you the best content possible because we'll know what you like, what you don't like, but it also helps other listeners come and find this podcast. So it's a win-win for everyone. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.